by their fruits you shall know them. By, 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 by their fruits. fruits you shall know them welcome to buy their fruits my name is bryant and i'm here with my co-host jeremy jeremy how are you today brother i'm doing good man just living that daddy life you know what i'm saying no sleep black eyes <laughs> yeah man it's it, i'm doing great man i couldn't be happier and today we have on uh, monty mansfield how you doing brother Man, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, man. There's nothing better than, you know, talking about the Lord and talking about redemption, you know, and just just super thankful to be on the show, man. I thank you guys very much. It's an honor, man. It's an honor. Trust me. It's, uh, you know, you were, uh, you were a pro baseball player at one point, and um, definitely, you know, we want to hear your story. Uh, you know, this, uh, uh, we, we know what the topic is about. The topic's about addiction and and the redemption that you have found in Christ and this is something that I think can most people can relate because I feel like underneath the surface most people are addicted to something in one way or another or were at one point and uh so we're we're looking forward to hear your story man uh do you want to give people um you know some resources on how to find you uh get in touch with you yeah you can find me on Facebook um under uh, Monty Mansfield um you can find me on Instagram. Um, I have the 90 and 90 podcast Instagram, and I have Monty slash Mansfield Instagram. And then on YouTube, we have the 90 and 90 podcast uh, YouTube channel. And then this episode, episode eight for us is coming out on Monday, and we're going to be starting up on Spotify this week. So those are the links, man. If you guys just want to go over there and subscribe and hit the algorithm, we'll be able to spread out the good news. I have a recovery podcast, and it's just, it's, a, it's really an amazing – we'll talk about it a little later, but it's just an amazing show. So super thankful. But, yeah, that's how you can get in contact with me. All right. You got anything, Brian, before we uh, let him take it away? No. You know, it was uh, interesting when I first – you know, I kind of linked up with you through Emmanuel Kingman, and, and when I saw that 90 and 90 podcast, you know, me have uh, formerly uh, been involved in some 12-step programs, right? So I, I knew right away 90 and 90 what that meant, and I'll let you break that down as well. But how fitting is it, brother, that this is episode 12? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that, the 12-step, man, to carry the message. <laughs> so it's what uh, – it's my purpose now, you know, the 12-step is to carry the message, and and, and it's my purpose is to uh, spread the good news. You know, I, I believe uh, I listened to Rick Warren. He talked about, you know, that people in his church and Rick Warren, his Saddleback Church, uh, he does celebrate recovery. He created Celebrate Recovery. And he talks about how people in his church, they talk about, you know, um, they talk about how they're on plan B and they're on plan C. And he tells he talks about how we're all on plan A. It's that we walk away from Christ. We come back to Christ and we share the good news on how he redeemed us, you know. So, so you know, I, I, and I heard that. I was like, you know, that's awesome because I think we all can relate to that. You know, we've all walked away in certain ways and we've come back and we see his redemptive characteristics and we want to share the good news and, 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 and we want to share the gospel and the gospel means the good news, you know. Amen. So where does this journey start for you, brother? Like how give it give us your story. I want to hear your life story, man, because I, it, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, so uh, I grew up. Um, I grew up in Victorville, California, out in, um, in the high desert in in, in, in Southern California. Um, my mom, my mom never used drugs. Um, she's had problems, you know, in life. We all do, but she's never used, and that's been a huge mainstay in my life. My mom, you know, my 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 father, who is now 15 years sober, was addicted to methamphetamine. And when you're young, when you're a young kid and you're growing up, you know, and and you're young, and and it's your father, you know, and he's like coming home at and he's going to bed at three and then waking up at three 30 in the morning to go to work, getting like a half hour of sleep, man, things are very confusing as a child. When, when, when you see your parents acting like this kind of behavior, you know, up all night and um, it's very confusing. So early on as a kid, that's when I kind of like uh, seen drugs for the first time, kind of crazy things that were being left around the house, certain types of things that were left around the house, like porno mags, things like that, that would just as a young kid kind of being introduced to, you know, and I never, 
grew up with, uh, I didn't have a God, you know, I didn't go to church, I, nothing like that, you know, so I, I wasn't, I, I didn't have like a good moral compass and I couldn't, I didn't have the foundation to be, hand, be able to handle life on life terms, but I was really good in sports. So my dad's six foot eight, um, my mom's like five foot 10. So I had the genetics and to be, become a professional athlete, there's a lot of things that have to be involved with that. And I had the good genetics. So I was an amazing athlete, football, baseball, basketball, and I kind of had a lot of support from the community. So a lot of people love to watch me play and things like that. So early on, like all through high school, I had no drug problem or alcohol problem. Like I didn't need to escape the life that I had because my life was so good. I mean, it was just an amazing life. And I've always had a good heart. You know what I'm saying? Like I almost feel like in my addiction, like I was misplaced, like I shouldn't have been in it. And God was showing me that I needed to get out of it. And now I've gotten out of it. And now he's shown me the way and the truth. But I, um, I ended up getting drafted in high school. Like I was prom king. Ended up getting drafted out of high school uh, in the 11th round by the uh, Cleveland Indians, 113 pickle crawl. But because I didn't have God, I didn't know humility, man. I had a lot of pride and I had a lot of ego. And we like to say, your ego's not your amigo, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had a lot of ego, you know, and I ended up turning down $50,000 out of high school, going to uh Riverside Community College, which we end up winning the state championship, and I end up going 14 and one, and I end up going in the 16th round. But now at this time, I'm able to negotiate. I have some experience with scouts and all of that, and and with negotiations. So I end up getting $120,000 at 19 years old with no God, no ability to be able to handle that blessing. And like I say, a blessing given too early, too soon, is not a blessing at all. And I end up spending it on, you know on earthly pleasures, you know, like the prodigal son, you know, went out and blew his inheritance on earthly pleasures, you know, and that's what I did for a long time. And for me, um, when I was my first two years of baseball went really, really well, but I always was future tripping. I was always worried about um, things I couldn't control. I did not have the foundation, the solid foundation of the rock like I have now that where I can give my weaknesses up to the Lord. And I can I can understand the Lord's working everything out for my good. I had none of these type of weapons or tools could have back then. So I constantly stressed with anxiety and fear and worry. So I went to substances, you know, I went to substances and I would drink after games and I would smoke marijuana. So um, my first introductions to, uh, to substances was marijuana and alcohol, you know, and I was able to still kind of function on those two drugs, you know, on alcohol and marijuana. And I was able to keep moving up through baseball. So each season, you know, but I'm totally partying every night, chasing instant gratification, chasing women, cheating on my girlfriends, just an absolute scumbag. You know, I, I was I was I was chasing earthly pleasures and I was being guided by the devil. And I had no faith. I had nothing like that. And I was absolutely miserable. But on an earthly standpoint, people would have thought that, man, mommy's doing great. He's doing good. He's doing awesome. You know, because a lot of the world, they look at those things as being like successful. But on the deep inside, I was dying on the inside, guys. I was dying and I couldn't didn't know who to talk to. I had no outlet. I'm a pro athlete. I can't talk to a psychologist. I can't do this. And I so I end up just continuing to self-medicate, self-medicate. And then finally at 28 years old is when things went to hell for me. At 28, I ended up showing up to a stadium. Um, you know, I end up showing, I tell people my first day of my amphetamine addiction, man, I show up to the stadium in my brand new Tundra. I'm making 6,000 a month. I'm playing with the Houston Astros. I'm sitting in AAA. I'm hungover. And somebody tells me, because I start to notice the older guys and I, and I went through pro baseball straight through the steroid era. So I mean, there was like Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys, uh, Jeff Bagwell, um, you know, Barry Bonds. I mean, a lot of these guys were juiced and huge. So I'm going through an era where I'm showing up to batting practice and Mark McGuire's hitting the ball out of the stadium, bro, over the scoreboard. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what is going on here? You know what I'm saying? So you have like this, like, you, like everyone starts to have this aura about them, you know? So, and I never done steroids ever before. I always thought I, had, I was big enough and strong enough to be able to do that. But going through that era was very confusing, but I show up to the stadium. One of my teammates hands me uh, an Adderall. So he hands me an Adderall and it was a 30 milligram amphetamine salts given to you by the government. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're putting kids on this stuff. They put kids on this, these medications. And I can't even believe it because 
for 28 years, I was a professional athlete. And the minute I put it in my body, it became my God. And I became a junkie until I was 37 years old because of this 30 milligram Adderall. And it disguised itself as heaven. And it took me straight to hell because my body was a vessel that had never been touched by amphetamine. And what it does, it puts a false hack into your brain. So right away, I was like, my arm feels good. Oh, man, I, that void, that God-shaped void was filled by this drug. You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my spirit felt good. I ended up going out there and I ended up throwing strike out 10 guys in four innings. And there's like 25,000 fans and I'm calm. And I'm like, I became this person, this like superhero, this like limitless pill that I always needed in my life. And it was crazy. I had no more anxiety and I didn't worry. And I was like, I need this. I went out, I went out that night. And because I chased pleasure, I drank all night and I woke up with no hangover. And I was like, okay, I need this. So I got suited and booted and I ended up getting prescribed to this medication called Adderall. So we're going to go a 30 milligram Adderall on my first day of my addiction. Till now we'll fast forward to four, four years later, 31 years old, six foot four, 180 pounds now. First day of my addiction, 6'4", 230, throwing 94 miles an hour. Last day of my baseball career, 6'4", 180 pounds, throwing 85 miles an hour, truck repoed, making $1,100 a month. Now strung out on Oxycontin, Adderall, Ephedra, marijuana, and I'm going back home to go live with mommy after a 10-year baseball career. So that's where Adderall had taken me. And when I got out of baseball, I, um, I, didn't, um, I didn't know how to live life, guys. I didn't know how to live life. I never had a job. I always went from stadium to stadium. I played baseball my whole entire life. I didn't know how to live. And I had no type of program or no type. Of, I had no God. I had nothing. I had no hope. You know, so I get out of baseball and I start to, because uh, I don't have insurance, I start to gradually go towards methamphetamine. I have a little bit of money. I go towards methamphetamine and I start to do meth because it felt just like Adderall. So once I did the meth, I said, oh, this is just like Adderall. I can do this. I can do this. Well, what happens is it becomes your God. It becomes everything about you. You're on the devil's playground. It's all that you think about. It's all that you think about all day long is getting high, getting high, getting high. And then because we suffer from an obsession at this point, because of the first time that we used the drug, it was so good. That's why they say you're always chasing that first high. So so what your brain does is it wants to obsess on the first year you did drugs, but that's not the reality, man. That's not the reality. You got to remember that last day that when you got sober, because that's where they took you to. And that's the reality that you have. But at, uh, let's see, about 33 years old, man, I put a needle in my arm, man. I, I, I started shooting dope and it took me to the worst places ever imaginable. And and the minute that I did it, I needed it so much and I wanted it so much. And I started committing crime and I started committing crime. And now I'm living with the fact that I used to be a pro athlete and now I'm a street junkie. And like the cops, the cops from my hometown, like I would get arrested and they would know who I was. And they would be like, bro, what? Like, I mean, it was just so embarrassing and the shame walking on the streets. I remember walking on the streets one time and my mom comes out, of, of, she's a teacher and she comes out and I'm walking and she sees me. She just puts her head down, dude. Doesn't even want to like see her own son, her oldest son, like her, her baby. Like she doesn't even want to see me because of what the drugs have done to me in my life. And, and, and I have to revert back to where this started with a 30 milligram government amphetamine salts pill that disguised itself as heaven and took me straight to hell. And I end up going out because my family loves me. Your family will do everything for you. They love you. They can actually enable you at times. But I, I end up going out to South Carolina. So I go out to South Carolina. I get eight months sober. I get eight months sober. But I still, at this time, I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to become a man of integrity. I don't want to be able to follow the Lord. I don't want to be able to give up girls. I don't want to be able to give up instant gratification. I don't want to be able to surrender to God at this point. And I go out there and I, and I go out there for eight months and I get clean and I end up having to come back because of my court cases. So I end up coming back and it's crazy because we suffer from an obsession, which I didn't know about, but now I do because I read the big book and I read the doctor's opinion and we suffer from an obsession that will continue to try to get the addict to go out and use just one more. And when I find out I'm coming back home from court, cousin's crying because she knows I got to go back into the, the, the lion's den back home. And in my mind, I'm crying on the outside, but on the inside, I'm thinking about how I'm going to get high already. Like the obsession is already taken over and I already know that I'm going to go and go get high again. Well, the thing is, you go back and you think that you, I'm telling myself, I'm just going to smoke it. I'm just going to get high on smoking the dope. I end up going back and I end up putting it in my body. And what happens is addicts have a phenomenon of craving, which happens. It's the allergy. It's an allergic reaction and it doesn't break you out in, in hives or anything like that. I like to tell people I break out in handcuffs. <laughs> I'm just playing. But anyways, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so so uh so you uh you get this phenomenon of craving where like you just want more and you need more and it's called and it's the allergy and it's the doctor's opinion so the obsession talks you into getting to that point and i smoked it and i had a needle within in my arm within a half hour and i pissed away all eight months of sobriety and all i was was looking a little healthier but i absolutely was dead in the inside had no spirit i totally was just a, the, uh, you know just an empty shell just a glum lot you know of a person and for me i end up uh, going on my last run right there so i go on my run for three years and now when i look back on my my story like we live life forward and we have faith for the future and then we understand life backwards so it's like hindsight 2020 when i look back in my life now i look back and i can realize and i can see how god has been in all of my whole life from the beginning i can see back as i walk with god and he reveals to us how he's been with us the whole time but so i go i, I start getting arrested getting arrested getting arrested release going through that whole miserable thing and then i end up catching a felony which now i'm thankful for the felony it's like lord you gave me a felony thank you lord <laughs> you know what i'm saying because this is finally able me to save my life but i end up going on the run and now i'm in ontario california and my buddy tells me he goes hey man we want to go up north to uh so i'm 37 years old now all right so it's been a long life of using drugs and not walking with god so i um and so i'm, I'm worn out man i'm breeding that sense of desperation i'm like the prodigal son in the pig slop you know this is where this is about to head to so i end up going up north to uh to redding california to end up going into uh to, to we're gonna go into a parade and we're gonna be vendors well my buddy asked me he goes hey man like me using the needle has gotten so bad i have track marks all over my body i can't hit like it's miserable now it's like four years deep now of doing it so uh, it's miserable and he ended up asking me to not take a needle up there so i go all right but right away the obsession and my addiction i'm so strung out and such a fiend i, I can't stop thinking of the needle i can't stop thinking of the needle and what happens is we go up there. So now they have they have what you call harm reduction down here in California and in most places. So you're able to get the needle even if you don't have um, diabetes or even if you don't need insulin, harm reduction. So God takes me out of Ontario, Riverside, California to go be a vendor in a parade. You know, I'm like up north, eight hours away. And I tell my boy, I said, Danny, I'm going to go get me a, a, a syringe. And he's like, whatever, you know. So I go to CVS and they say, no, you need a prescription. I said, what? I go to Rite Aid. They said, no, you need a prescription. I said, huh? I end up going to Walmart and now I'm desperate. I end up getting, I end up walking to the front of the line and I say, look, I said, I'm a drug addict and I need a needle. And she looks at me, she goes, get the F out of my store, you junkie. I walk to the side of the store and I break down in tears for the first time. And that's the moment of the prodigal son in the pig slop. I was able to have something penetrate me that day and I end up turning my, I end up coming home and turning myself in to Ontario Police Department. And because God took me out of the area that I was consistently getting high for some crazy reason, because he wanted to set me aside to be able to sit here and tell my story right now on the phone with you. He takes me up north to seven hours to a place I cannot find the, the tool that I need to get high to where I finally, he breaks into my heart and I finally go home and I turn myself in. And now I'm three three years, four months sober off all substances. From that day, I literally came home and that's my story of the prodigal son where I was in the pig slop and I finally had the sense of desperation. So I ended up going to jail for three months and I ended up being, it was like, it was like, I, I look at it. It was like the Lord had yanked me out of my situation and now he set me aside and put me in jail so I can be away from the world and he can strip the world from me because the plans he had for me were just amazing. So he puts me in jail. It's like Apostle Paul, man, he's in jail. You know, that's where he, he, he wrote most, a lot of the New Testament, you know, in prison. And I'm, so I'm in there and I'm, I'm, I'm surrendered at this point to God. So now I have this sense of this amazing sense of like that God's in control. But I don't know anything about really the Bible. I've never read the Bible. I know nothing about anything. I just felt like I have surrendered to this like higher uh, type of feeling that I have this higher power. And I end up getting sentenced to the Salvation Army. And, and I get sentenced there for a year. And when I talk, when I go back into my story, when I was just out of baseball and I tell you guys I was lost, I didn't know how to live life. I didn't have no program. I didn't know anything. I didn't never had a job before. Right. So the judge looks at me and she goes, you're going to be sentenced to the Salvation Army for 365 days. And she goes, good luck. And I'm like, good luck. What the heck? You know, but in my mind, looking back now, she should have said, you're going to go there and you're going to find the Lord and you're going to become a man of God and a man of integrity. And you're going to share the good news and you're going to save tons and tons of addicts. That's what she should have said, you know, looking back in hindsight. But she said, good luck. And I show up to the Salvation Army and it saved my it changed my whole life because they introduced me to this uh, Bible called the Life Recovery. 
recovery Bible. Have you guys heard of it? It's, I, it's a, I have not. Okay. It's a life recovery Bible, and it relates the step with recovery. So like, it's really like modern and it relates the 12 steps with, uh, with, with the Bible. And, and then the Bible like started coming alive for me. And it was like, the Bible started loving me back and like, I couldn't get enough of it. And then I learned about in the book, big book, the doctor's opinion, how we suffer from an allergy, then the phenomenon of craving. And I was like, Oh, that's what's happened. So my whole past started making, making sense to me, you know? And then I started like little by little going up to the altar and I started praying more. I started waking up and getting with God earlier. I started feeling this presence about the Lord walking with me. I started sharing my story at, um, at meetings. And I couldn't believe how like people would come up to me, man, that's amazing. That's an amazing story because I had thought I had been such a failure for so long because I believed the lie that the devil kept telling me all the time. And then the, then the Lord started cracking into strongholds that I had lied to myself for so long. And he started breaking strongholds for me. And then you work 40 hours a week there for free. You know, you get your room and board and all that, but you don't, you don't make money there. So you learn humility, you become humble and the leaders among us must be servants. And I start transforming like into this totally different human being. It's just amazing. I can't even explain it. The only thing I can say is 37 years, no God, three years, four months, God. And I have an amazing fulfilled life because it's not about Lamborghinis and it's not about mansions. It's about the person who we become. It's about becoming the blessing, you know, and that's what's going to bring true happiness and joy. But at the Salvation Army, man, I just, I start reading the, the prodigal son. I'm like, that was me, you know, Apostle Paul, how he was one way, some person saw, and then he became Apostle to Apostle of Love, and he changed totally in the middle of his life. And, and I start going, okay, you know, I lived half my life as a sinner, and now I'm forgiven by God, and God shows grace, and he shows mercy. I start to get my integrity back in the Salvation Army. They start to connect me to my connector. I start to see uh, Salvation Army officers and majors that are 10 years off heroin and sharing their story with all the love of God and being fulfilled and just letting the Lord shine through them. And they start to become my heroes. So I start to want to become like them, you know, and, and I end up, uh, I end up doing a year program um, in the Salvation Army. And what I want to share right now is there's a story of Abraham and Isaac and, and I, he, and the Lord asked Abraham to, uh, the Lord asked Abraham to, um, to uh, sacrifice his son. And when he wakes up in the morning, he shows faith in the Lord the whole time and he gets his son ready and they start walking up the mountain, right? And as they're walking up the mountain, what Abraham doesn't know is that the Lord is sending the lamb, the true sacrifice, he's sending him on the other side of the mountain, right? So he's walking up the mountain with his son as the lamb's coming, as the sacrifice is coming up the other side of the mountain. And when he gets to the top of the mountain, Abraham has no idea what is in store for him. What is the blessing that the Lord is going to give him? But he stays on course with faith. He stays on course and he gets to the top and he's about to sacrifice his son. The true, the true sacrifice pops up and it saved his son and he showed his faith in the Lord. And when I think about that story in the Bible, I think about how when I turned myself over to the Lord, that there was a guy named Hank. He's our producer of the 90 and 90 podcast. I had no idea. I've never met him before in my life. I'm in San Bernardino, California. It's four hours away from where I live now in San Diego. He ends up, he ends up putting 20 $20,000 into a studio because he wants to hold himself accountable because he's in recovery. He wants to hold himself accountable and he makes a studio and he wants to start a podcast called the 90 and 90 podcast. I have no idea who this guy is, but I continue to walk with the Lord. I continue to do God's work. I continue to be a man of God. I continue to share the good news. I end up getting out of the Salvation Army and I end up um, I end up going to the what we call the bridge house. So it's like the next phase out of the Salvation Army. They have bridge houses where you can start to pay a little bit of rent and you start to trans uh, you start to transfer back into the society. So I'm over there and I'm sitting there and I'm coming home from a meeting, right? I'm coming home from a meeting. And, uh, and the guy in the front seat was the resident manager down in San Diego. And he tells the guy in the other front seat that he was leaving ranch. He was leaving San Diego and he was going to go work somewhere else. And they needed a resident manager. I feel this tug in my spirit to ask him if I should go down and maybe I can go be the resident manager. So I feel this tug in my spirit. And I wasn't planning on this at all. I just felt some type of tug since I'm sensitive to the spirit and I, and I, I follow the spirit now. I end up going, hey, what if I went down there? And what if I tried to get that job? He goes, why don't you try? So I call my mom up. We drive all the way down to San Diego. I knock on the door of the of Carmelita, the program director, and she looks at me and I'm like, and at this time, guys, I got, I'm a missing front tooth. Uh, you know, I got a missing front tooth, you know, like, like, uh, you know, and that was pretty, I had a missing front tooth for three years, but now I got it fixed. Thank thank the Lord. But I end up, I end up showing up there and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to come work down here. You know, what's up? And, you know, and she's like, well, since you came down here, you know, I will, uh, I'll give you a shot to be able to work here, but we'll have to talk to the captain 
tomorrow. So the captain calls me. I come down the next day, and he ends up uh, he ends up hiring me, and I end up meeting my wife there, which is unreal because of that little nudge. If I would have never acted on that sensitive spirit with the Lord, I would have never met my wife. And I meet my wife right there. But as I get out of that place and start working at La Jolla Recovery, I'm sitting there and I'm watching a, I'm watching Wes Watson. He's like a YouTube motivational speaker. He was 10 years in prison and he's got this uh, channel and it's like Watson Fit. And he's sitting there and I want to spread the good news more because this is my purpose is to share the message on how the Lord redeemed me. And he sits there and I'm watching it and he looks at the camera and he goes, if you want to start a YouTube channel, he goes, why don't you just start one, baby? Go take your camera, make a video. And I'm like, OK, let's go, baby. And I go up to the park. And I start my first video on my YouTube channel, the Neighborhood Hope Dealer channel. And I make 480 videos now on this channel. And I got like almost 300 subscribers. I've kind of kicked back on it because I got the podcast. But as this happens, Hank, which I told you he started the podcast, he's going to be the host. So as I'm walking with the Lord, God is creating some a miracle on the outside that I have no idea what's happening. But since I'm walking with God, he's going to let me intersect with this miracle. And I end up going on the show as their first guest on the show. And he's the host. So this and, and I walk into the studio and I'm blown away. I know if you guys have watched it, you would say, man, it's a beautiful studio. It's an amazing place. You've seen it, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's really nice. I love it. Yeah, it's like such a blessing. So I go there as a guest. So then like eight months go by and nothing comes out of this, right? Nothing comes out of this. So I just keep making my videos, living my life, walking with God, showing integrity, uh, uh, learning the Bible, doing my devotions, just, just walking with the Lord, you know, loving life, feeling joy, you know, feeling happy. Can't believe how far I come. It's just unbelievable. My family, my family loves me, you know, because in our addiction, we push our family away because we don't want people to tell us not to get high. So the devil switches the price tags on us. We put value in things that don't matter. And we put value in things, we put value in things that don't matter. And the things that do matter, we don't put value in. But then God switches the price tags back. And when you're sober, you put value in the things that matter. And you have these amazing relationships with your family. It's just amazing the things that have changed for me in that type of aspect, you know. But I end up, uh, he ends up hitting me up and he ends up, he ends up being so tied up with work and he's not able to be the host. And he goes, he goes, bro, he goes, if anyone has a chance to get our channel off the ground, it's you, man. You have the story. You're the guy. You have the three years sober. Uh, you know, you're legit. Your integrity's there. He's also, we're going to make you our host. So my point of that story is how Abraham was going up the up the mountain. You know, he had the true blessing coming up the other side, and I had no idea. And this had started way before I had even met Hank, you know, and now I host a podcast, the 90 and 90. We've had Craig Shoemaker on there. We've had Chris Lehman three years, four months ago. I'm on a jail. I'm on the side of a Walmart with needle track marks all over my body. I can't even, I can't even function at all chasing pleasures. The whole wells ran dry. And now I've put in God first and Jesus first. And now I host a podcast. I'm now a Salvation Army soldier. I do devotions every Saturday at the Salvation Army. And I've been clean. And like, all I can say is that God is good all the time. And he's made everything work out for my good, man. And that's pretty much uh, my story. You know, I, I could I could throw a, more, a little more things in there. But that's pretty much the jiffy of like how I got clean was just literally like, putting God first. I worked the 12 steps, you know, I uh, cleared out all my baggage and now I continue to like do maintenance every day to keep that obsession away. But now I've created such a good life for myself. There's no way I want to escape that life. Like, like I don't need to go get high to escape the person that I am now. And it's all because of the Lord. It's all because of Jesus. Like I said, you know, before Jesus came down and died on the cross, you know, we had to follow the laws of Moses and what human being is going to be able to follow over 600 rules and feel worthy enough to have a relationship with God. No one. Jesus came down and died on the cross because the Lord wants a relationship. He wants an amazing relationship with you and he loves you and he cares for you and he gives you grace. And then you become a man of integrity and then he gives you faith, which you can feel the fear and you can do it anyways. And these two weapons are only given to you by God. You cannot find them anywhere else on the planet. And I've already lived at Ecclesiastics. King Solomon chased all worldly pleasures and realized that those all run dry. And the only way to find true joy on this planet is to walk right with the Lord and be a man of God, man. So that's my story, guys. Absolutely amazing, bro. I, I appreciate you sharing that and being so honest, man. It gives so many, so many people out there, you know, that hope in Jesus Christ that we have because we know that he's a he is a chain breaker, man. I, I think that, like I said at the beginning, honestly, e either we ourselves or somebody that we know have, has been addicted to something at some point, you know, and those chains will remain on you. I mean, there are people who get clean without Christ, but that desire there, that that obsession, as you're talking about, remains almost forever in those people. And they have to battle every day to fight that 
obsession. Yeah. But we know but we know that Christ, man, like if you if you know Christ and you follow and obey the word of God, those things start falling off your flesh. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was addicted to lust and alcohol uh, during my teen years all the way up until, you know, um, my mid 20s. It the more that I became obedient to God, the less and less and less those thoughts came into my mind. Yeah. And, the, and then eventually it just it was gone. You know, you don't wake up one day and it's automatically gone. There's no thoughts. There's no nothing like it, it is a process. But through that battle, through that war of your flesh, you know, you just you you stay obedient to God and those things just start falling away. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. They they. I heard uh, an Indian. He talked about uh, it was on Rick Warren was talking about how he talked about when we were born. We're in a dogfight. You know, we're in a dogfight between good and evil. And that's the flesh. You know, our enemies are the flesh and the devil, you know, and they want to win and they are deceiving and they they lie and they minimize sin. So so they want to minimize sin. And then like, oh, it's OK. Just do this. You're OK. It's not going to make you feel bad. You got this. You're good. And then you put it in your body or you met or you or you do the sin and then he maximizes it right away. You're convicted. You feel shame. You feel guilt. And it's what the devil does, you know, but he talks about there's a dog fight on the inside and, and when and, and of good and evil and the dog that wins is the dog that you feed the most. So when we're walking with God, man, we're feeding the good dog and it feels dude. there's some reason why it feels good to do good. It feels great to do good. You start to be fulfilled. You stop living in the dark, you know, you start, start, I call it living in the light with the spirit, you know, hiding nothing from no one. Just, just think about yourself in a spiritual realm or as, as a spirit and you're walking and you have the light on you at all times and you have nothing hiding in the dark. It's one of the most empowering things that I have ever heard in my life is walking in the light with the spirit because you're, you have your integrity back. Anybody can go back to my bedroom and they're not going to find anything in there. You know, they can search my search engine of um, anything of mine and they're not going to find I'm living fully in the light of the spirit. And when I walk with, the, with God more and I become closer to God, then I'm able to see the devil's flaming arrows. So when I would walk out of the stadium as a, as, as a young man with no God, the, the, the arrows didn't have flames on them, dude. They were invisible and they were pelting me over and over and over. But now since I walk closer to God, the devil's arrows have flames on them. So I can see him, I can avoid him, and I can move on with my life, continuing to have the power of faith and the power of grace, which I surrender every single morning. Like I say, I'm sober by the grace of God. There's no other explanation for what has happened in my life. But the one thing that I've done different is I put God first. He's the way and he's the truth. And like I was saying earlier in recovery, there's a thing that people say, a God of your understanding, a God of your understanding. Oh, I worship the I worship the waves. I worship um, I worship the forest. I worship the, the, the nature. No, man, God created all that, you know, and because we walk with God, we have an instruction manual called the Bible that guides us in the right direction. The universe doesn't have that. The forest doesn't have that. And our and, and I have joy. I have pure joy every day because I walk with God, because there's something on the inside of us when we get our integrity back and we not compromise it, that we feel absolutely great inside out and people trust us and people love us and, and people want to be around you. And now you're able to handle the blessing and handle the things that life comes at you. If someone gave me $120,000 now, I would know exactly what to do with it because the Lord has shown me the way. It's fascinating to really think about too, because when we get caught up in that kind of whirlwind of addiction, right? Like we can't see anything but the whirlwind. But when that's gone, when we find ourselves out of it and the dust settles and we can see the wreckage that is left behind and that we contributed into that wreckage. Right. And then you can yeah. see that fullness. And so, like you said, you know, you you at some point you recognize that you had a God shaped void in your life. Right. And we try to fill it with anything. You know, they always say you're trying to put the square peg in the round hole. Well, then you find yourself right. You're clean, but you still don't have anything to fill that God shaped hole. Nothing fits but him. And yeah, you can try to introduce these concepts that we're told, like the higher power and and even this group, right? And and I understand that <clears throat> sometimes in the introductory stage, right, that kind of points us towards God and it kind of gets us. That, but 
to get locked into that. Like you said, you're not going to find that in the waves and in the forest and the group. People are going to fail you, right? But God won't fail us or forsake us. And there was something that you said, too, about the, the feeding the dogs, right? And I mean, we are told in scripture, right, that whatever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise to think on those things throughout the day, right? Like count it all as joy, even when we're tried, even when we're tested. Also like what you said about the arrows, right? They're flaming now. You can yeah. see them coming, right? No temptation has, has attacked us, except that is which common to man, right? And uh, then lastly, what I would say as well is, you had mentioned, um, you know, the uh, a God of your understanding, but we're told to not lean on our own understanding, right? We're told that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Yeah. But then we get from TV and from Disney and, you know, follow your heart, you know, all these things. And so we're constantly kind of pulled in both directions, right? Like, if, especially if we're consuming like things of the world and the entertainment and, you know, things of this nature, we're very misled. And the deception is more and more prevalent today than probably even ever before, at least it's more readily available like you said you were introduced to you know pornography from these these magazines laying around the house and now children have it at their fingertips you know i mean it's just mm. it's crazy to just think of all the worldly things that we can absorb ourselves in and and with that addictive you know, sin is addictive, you know, it, people delight in their sin even at times. But I feel like once you realize that conviction, once you have the Holy Spirit, right, that is, like you said, we're, we're led out of those things. But but the shame is used as a weapon to keep us trapped, to keep us in those chains. And, and Jeremy, I have to agree, man, there's no chain breaker except for the one true God, except for Christ. That's the only freedom we can find from these things. But, you know, it's fascinating to me, a lot of your story, and I can relate, and I'll give a real quick, you know, rundown. I was like a two weeks after my 18th birthday, I just run up this string of charges, like 13 misdemeanors, right? Never, never convicted of a crime in my, my juvenile life where, I, you know, it was just all right there in my first couple of weeks of being an adult. And so flash forward a couple more weeks, I get sentenced. I'm the youngest member of Rutherford County Drug Court at 18 years old. It's an 18 month program. I graduated after 36 months because I'm ridiculously hardheaded. I mean, I got kicked out and by the grace of God, you know, I'm serving my time. I'm, I'm flattening it like six months into my two year sentence. They, they pull me back to court and they're like, we, we're going to send you to Nashville to this place called Samaritan. And you're going to go and you're going to do the 30 days inpatient. And then you're going to come back and you're going to start back at square one in drug court. It's going to be like you just got here. I'm like almost a couple years in this point. I'm like, what? No, I don't want to do that. I just, yeah. I've got three more months and I'll flatten my time, right? With good time. I just, I just want to do that. And they're like, when you signed the paperwork for drug court, you gave up the right to make that decision. So you're going to Samaritan to do this 30, pay, 30 day inpatient. Well, flash forward 30 days, right? I, I sign on for the 90 day outpatient and I'm living in this house, right? Where they take part of your check and they send you with a, a bag lunch. And, and that's honestly where I really started to find and build that relationship with God. I was raised Southern Baptist. I've been involved in the church. I knew scripture my whole life, right? But this is where things started to change. And it was by that outside influence, right? Like I had given up that right to make that decision and God used that court system and that program to lead me out of that darkness, kicking and screaming. It didn't matter. That was where I was headed, whether I wanted to or not. And I look back now and I, I can see that that was God's hand on it because left up to me, who knows where I would be. I absolutely love that, man. Like, like I said, you know, walking with God, like, so when I'm walking with God, I look back and my whole past makes sense. Everything. Mm -hmm. He had my hand. He had he had he had his hand on my whole entire life. You know, there's like certain stories like when I was playing, I wasn't even walking with God and I was at a restaurant out in Texas and this and I'm walking out and I'm eating dinner with my, my girlfriend at the time and these and a family out there. And, 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 and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this lady grabs my arm and she goes out of nowhere. She goes, I've been listening to you and you're going to do special something special for the Lord one day. This stuck with me my whole life. And I was like, why would she have said that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would she have said that? Like, I'm not a godly person. I'm not, I'm not godly. And then and when I get out of treatment, I'm sitting at another church. And this guy that was visiting from Arizona, he grabs me afterwards and he goes, hey, man, he goes, don't backslide. I can just feel it. You're going to do something special for the Lord. So I'm like, what? Like, 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 like at that point, I'm walking with God and everything that happens in my life is through him. And I know that it's a sign. And now looking back, because I walk with the Lord, I'm like, 
That's why she said that to me that day. Because now I do so much for God. I share the good news. Everything I do, my whole life is revolved around Lord. And it was like God spoke through that lady when I was like 27 years old. This was even before Adderall. I hadn't even been on Adderall yet. I, I went down massively into drug addiction after she had grabbed my arm and she had told me that. And I, I just, I look back on how everything makes sense because I walk with God. If I'm not walking with God, I'm confused. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I don't even think about the moment the lady grabbed my arm and told me that. But now since I walk with God, I look back and I think about that. There's certain moments in my life, like Lou Pinella, uh, he told me, you gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable. This is something that helped me in early recovery because there's a few things in life that people have told me that stick with me forever. And it's like God spoke through those people. I don't know if you guys have ever had a moment where you feel like the Lord has spoke through someone else to give you a message. Oh yeah, absolutely have, man. And I have a, I just want to touch on a couple points here before I lead into a question, but you know, I, I, I can relate to uh, how you said that, you know, after you got saved, you, you could just see how God was with you, you know, your entire life. Like, he was he was there you know at least you didn't know him but he was there right yeah. and you know i've been through a lot of uh traumatic experiences when you know through my life and i got saved when when i was 19 but that night that i got saved it was almost like i had this it wasn't a vision but it was like this this knowing i i just had a reflection of my entire life up until that point and i could see where god saved me out of a situation allowed me to go with, through a situation you know where where I knew, you know, after I got saved that he was there with me, you know, or he, he allowed it for a purpose and, and how it, you know, ultimately ended up being for my good, um, you know, to learn lessons or whatever. And, you know, I, I every time I tell them my testimony, that's one thing that I always bring up because I've never heard anybody else say that before. Mm-hmm. You know, so hearing you say that, I'm like, yes, that's right. You know, like that happened to me. And uh, after I got saved, I was still dealing with uh, some things that were attached to my flesh. But as I said earlier, uh, one thing that, you know, I I think about AA is like it's a good it's a very good program to lead you into the right direction. Yes. Right. And the one thing that I would say about them is that they have this, uh, you know, this ideology where it's like once you're an addict, you're always an addict. But the Bible says otherwise. So it's a good it's a good program to lead you into the right direction. And then when you start filling your spirit up with the word of God, man, you realize that, no, you know, I'm not always going to be an act. I know that my God can set me free. And in my life personally, you know, like I said, I was addicted to lust and um, cannabis for a long time and then alcohol. And I was always feeling this void, this anger and pain that I had from my childhood and I was trying to fill that void just to have some peace, you know, uh, get rid of the anxiety that I was dealing with or whatever it may be. And the more and more I started following God, the more I became obedient to him. It, it, he delivered me from that. The thoughts went away. I moved on. I never looked back. I haven't touched alcohol in a long time, dude. You know, mm-hmm. like I was drinking every single day and I was drinking like I would drink a handle of Knob Creek, which is like 100 percent, 100 proof. By myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was that bad into it. But God delivered me 110%. No more looking back on any of that. You know what I mean? I don't I don't even desire it. So he changes the desires of your heart the more you're obedient to him because you're conforming to his image. And it's amazing how many stories I've heard where, you know, similar to yours, where people were addicted to, to meth or, or heroin, some of the hardest things to ever kick. And they're completely new. Yeah. They're completely brand new. After I mean, it's a process, but they become brand new. They become a new creature. And that's the power of God. Yeah, bro. Hey, it's absolutely amazing. And the big book, you know, it's crazy. So if you took out all the pages in the big book of spirituality, like you literally have like you would literally have like like a small little tiny book. Like I've seen a meme one time where it said if you took all the spiritual and it showed the big book with all the spirituality taken out. So this is a spiritual malady that we suffer from. And and the, the whole point of the 12 steps is that you're dying like you're like the disease of addiction so if you get cancer you do anything possible to survive cancer diabetes anything possible to not die an addict they try to kill themselves slowly one day at a time it's the most unbelievable unbelievable disease so how we look at it as in recovery is that like you need to have a spiritual awakening super super fast so 
what what the 12 steps does it's like a backdoor avenue into a spiritual awakening you know what i'm saying and the thing i don't like about the big book is they talk about the god of your understanding the thing i love about the salvation army is they talk about jesus 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 so the thing about jesus so okay like my god the god i talk to he talks like the 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 the, the spirit in my in my mind so god so jesus died on the cross and he bridged the gap. So my God talks to me like, Monty, let's go, baby. You got this. Hey, you probably shouldn't do that. It's okay to do that. It's good. You're good. Like, like it motivates me. My self-talk, my spirit is very positive now, but it's Jesus Christ that died on the cross so I can feel worthy. And I, I get the grace every day to be able to have this amazing relationship that I created in my own mind, that I've created in my spirit that I have that doesn't lie, that doesn't forsake, always tells the truth. And anything I used to put up front as my God, like a woman, she would cheat on me or walk away or I would cheat on her and I would make her my God and it would always end bad. And when I had money as my God, money would go away. When I made the drugs my God, that was the worst thing you could ever do. I was on the devil's playground. But my baseball career used to be my God. And my baseball career, I gave everything I had for it. I mean, the way that I searched, the way that I seek the Lord, like I used to chase pleasures. And when you chase something, it's always running from you. But when you seek something, you're involved in it. You're already with it. So I seek God every single day. And my, my and I used to do that with baseball. I used to train so hard, think about it, obsess about it. And the minute that I lost baseball was like, was like, I thought I died on the inside. And, and, and only people know that if they gave themselves to something for so long and they end up losing it and ends up being stripped from you. So now I can't show up to a park somewhere on the planet and get paid great money to throw a baseball to a catcher with a hitter up there on steroids on the plane. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> I say that because there were so many juice monkeys, bro, when I used to play. So, but I think about that. And, 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 and I think about how, like, I just I have put God first, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus that died on the cross. And then if you watch the show, The Chosen, have you guys seen The Chosen? I have not. Not personally. Oh, all right. If you yeah, get a my chance. Wife and I, huh? My wife and I do watch it. Okay. So you you watch Chosen and you see the character that plays Jesus and you're like, you they like, they do a visual. They do. It's all about Jesus' life while he walked on the planet. And it's like, you're like, Wow. Like, I want to be like him. That's who I want to be like. Jesus is amazing. He's a servant. The leaders among us must be servants. And, and what was trying to kill Jesus was religion. Religion didn't want Jesus around. They said he was blasphemy. The Pharisees, they wanted to kill him because he was the way and the truth. And he died on the cross. And now he's been able to bridge that gap. So we can have that amazing relationship. And like I said, God talks to me like, let's go, baby. You got this. And and I myself talk and, and, and I wouldn't change it for anything. But as you worship the universe or you worship the God of the forest, there's no Jesus to bridge the gap. You see what I'm saying? No doubt. Yeah, you're you know, worshiping the go on, bro. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, that that just brings to mind when uh, we're told that the sheep will recognize the shepherd's voice. Right. And yeah. I often say that, like, you know, God talks to me in a way that only I would understand. And he says things that sometimes that only I would know, right? Because that's how that works, right? That's that uh, <clears throat> outside of yourself, right? But in the language that you understand, I mean, it almost makes me think of the event at Pentecost, right? It was, they were up there talking, but everybody heard it in their own language, yeah. right? The way that they could understand. And so when I break that down in, in the multiple layers that that really could be broken down into, that's exactly what I think is, you know, I mean, you asked a question earlier, has, has either of us ever experienced, you know, God speaking to us through somewhere else? And yes, I have, but I've also experienced when I'm talking to someone else and I say something, right? And I'm like, that wasn't me. That helped me, right? Like God has spoke to me through me before, you know, and I'm like, where did that come from? And it's all these things that are outside of our understanding that really start to put those pieces together. And, and that's what builds our faith. That's the the foundation that we start to build everything else upon is because this is we're dealing with somebody that is outside of time, right? That that could only make sense of some of these things. I mean, Jeremy, like you said, traumatic experiences in your life. How would anyone ever look back and say, wow, he was there with me during that? But that's because he's speaking to you in a, a way that only you can understand. And that's what creates those breakthroughs. You know, Monty, I've, I've heard you say on a, a previous podcast, you know, that contrast of of going from Major League Baseball and 
having that silver spoon and silver platter and, and everything served to you. And then, you know, you thinking this is the highlight. This is what life is until you find yourself and on your knees, broken down, right? Putting the pieces together and, and you find that when you serve others, that is the highlight. That is what we are built to do because nothing brings more joy than hum- humbly serving those around us, somebody, you know, giving someone something, doing something for someone that cannot pay you back. You know, that is that's that charity, right? The greatest uh, faith, hope and love or faith, hope and charity. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is charity because charity is love. Right. We're told to, uh, you know, serve widows and orphans. Right. Yeah, man, you just uh, what you just said, dude, my spirit just got the chills, you know, like 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 like, how could how could you how could you show up to a stadium, uh, you know, like, like, like a Roman night, you know, a Coliseum and, and, and have all the women and, and have all the things the world thinks are cool right at your beck and right at your feet, man, and never feel fulfilled ever. But now wake up every day and work in treatment, serve others, share the good news, spread the message, be humble, have humility, have the thorn in your side. I love that whole thing about the thorn in your side. It's the mentor that we didn't ask for. Apostle Paul prayed away the, 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 the thorn three times, but God left him with them. And I believe that I have a thorn. There's something I always feel like I need to work on. I need to continue to seek because I will continue to have the thorn and this will keep away the ego and it will keep away the pride. You know what I mean? But, it, but it just, you just gave me chills right there because yeah, you know, on a worldly standpoint, you would think that, like, I just live this normal life, but I honestly, man, I feel like a multimillionaire on the inside out because of what I'm doing. When I share the good news on Saturday morning at the Salvation Army in front of 120 guys, I, I, my self-talk, my God is talking to me like, you're lined up with the Lord. This is what you were meant to do, Monty. This is why you went through everything. This is why you put a needle in your arm. This is why you never made it to the big leagues, baby. This is why you were molested when you were eight years old. This is why that. This is why this. This is why that. And I'm just like so lined up with God. When I would pitch in front of 30,000, I'd be out there worried about if I was going to throw a strike or not. You know what I mean? Like, so to be directly in line what we're meant to do on this planet. And, and, and gentlemen, I... I, I, in my mind, in my mind, we started my podcast from like square one from nothing. And I believe that our podcast in my mind is going to blow up and we're going to save tons of people. Like, like, that's what I believe. I believe that I'm going to go become an, a soldier for the, or an officer for the Salvation Army. And I'm going to run an ARC, one that I went through and I'm going to help save. Like, these are the things that I believe because I believe this is my calling. If we talk about who is it, is it Jonah that got swallowed up in the well, right? Yep. Yeah. So Jonah was given a purpose by God to go to a city and share the good news and have them repent so he wouldn't destroy them. He was afraid of his calling. He got sucked up in the well. He got swallowed up in the well because he couldn't hide from God. He thought he could hide from God. God put him in the well for three days. This is how I look at my life. I was put in the Salvation Army. It was a year, but I, I look at it as like I went into the well, like Jonah. I come out of the I come out of the Salvation Army on fire for the for God. So the purpose that I always had from within, and I was so afraid to walk in in my shoes and my purpose, I was now put in the sally like Jonah was in the well, and he came out of the well on fire to help the city repent, and he which he did that, and he saved the whole city from destruction. And for me, I believe I was put in the Salvation Army, and that was my well, and I came out of the well, and now I'm living in my purpose, not being afraid of it, because I have faith, so I can feel the fear, and I can do it anyways. And the fear will not take me off my path. The fear will not, the devil, the fiery arrows and the devil will not take me off my path. And once we get the fruits of the spirit, I look at my, my spirit as a city. So, so my city has the fruits of the spirit in it. Well, the last fruit of the spirit is self-control. This is when I was about to get out of treatment. And I was so worried because I had never had self-control before in my entire life. But self-control is what puts the wall up of your city and protects all of the other fruit. So the self-control, that fruit of the spirit, once you receive that only through God and then the arrows. And I look at my life as like the devil's on the other side of the wall and he's trying to shoot the fiery arrows. But because of my self-control, I'm protecting my fruits and I'm able to be fruitful on this planet. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I like that analogy, man. Absolutely. Lo- no I love doubt. it. Yeah. So and then we got to find if we have just a wall there. If we have just a wall there, then we're going to be stuck uh, behind the wall. But we got to find a way to make doors so we can go in and out of those walls, but be able to continue to keep our fruit and be able to continue to navigate on this planet. That's powerful. Man, 
for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, that was I, great. I, uh, I, I really like that analogy. It really hits home. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh we're we're trying to protect you know we're trying to protect the good fruit you know like I tell people I'm like the fruits of the spirit are the best words in the dictionary <laughs> you know what I'm saying like no. like yeah. I love those I love them <laughs> but yeah but we're pretty big on the fruit references around here you know <laughs> yeah hey buy the fruits baby I love it you know? organic baby yeah I love that you know but self control was was a big fear of mine you know the devil told me, you know, you're not going to have self-control, you know, and I'm not going to, and when I got out of treatment, I got my first paycheck and it's crazy because of the obsession. I got my first paycheck and I literally like, 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 like my brain, right when I got that check, I had a $900 check and right away my brain was like, because my old thinking would have been like, go get high as heck, get a prostitute, go to the casino and, uh, and worry about it later. You know what I'm saying? And because of all the things that I've learned and walked with God, I was able to fight off that obsession and I was able to go talk to my mentor, which is Captain David Kane of the Salvation Army. And I said, Captain, like, I can't believe that this crazy feeling came up over me to want to go to the casino and blow this money. And he looked at me and he goes, he goes, hey, son, he goes, you're one of us. He goes, you're one of us. And it made me feel so good. I was able to bring that to the light because the old me would have hid that in. I would have dwelled on it and dwelled on it. I would have convinced, convinced, convinced. And I finally would have said, let's get the Uber and let's go. Like, like that's what happens. But I brought it to the light. And that's why they talk about man sharpens iron or iron sharpens iron as man sharpens man. That's that's why we have mentors and we have godly people and we have small groups and we and we keep around people. Because in our addiction, we isolate, man. We isolate in a room by ourselves in a garage. Like I used to say, like I went from being in a pro baseball locker room with 32 talented, unbelievable men, super kind. Dude, a lot of pro athletes are very kind, awesome people. There were some people that worshiped the Lord that were on my team that were just the best of men, just amazing. And I used to walk by them while they would do Bible study. And I used to be like, miss me with that fools. I ain't got none of that. You know what I mean? I'm going to go get me a, a girl tonight, baby. I used to make fun of these guys. And now these guys, their lives are all, even if baseball ended most of them are still doing amazing. They found the secret early and I wish I would have done that. You know what I mean? But then I went from being in a locker room with 34 talented, amazing men to at the end of my addiction, being in a garage with a surveillance system with five guys tweakabooing out the, out the, out the window, worried about if the cops are going to show up. Like, that's where my two realms went, you know? And it's just incredible how I went from there to there. But now walking with God, I, like, I tell myself, like, God, let me be with the rich. God, let me be in a tent. God, let me be around gangsters. God, let me be around criminals. God, let me be around rich people using drugs. God, let me be around all these avenues of life that where now I can stand, sit here and I can tell you that I've covered all bases. You know what I mean? And I can now relate to pretty much anybody I come in contact with because God wants me to share a, my superpower, which is called my testimony. And I can relate it to the homeless. I can relate it to the rich. I can relate it to the working man. I can relate it to every avenue of life. So he had been preparing me the whole time. So so walking with God, I look back and I'm like, those years of walking with the Lord were all preparing me to where I can finally be able to handle the blessing of the here and now and what my life's like now. Amen. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like God allows you to be in all these different situations and all, have all these different experiences so that you can relate to the next guy. Because there's somebody out there, especially the more, more experiences or situations you've been in that you can relate to, where you can talk to, where you can you know, you can get close to that person say, hey, man, you know, I've been there. I understand completely what you're talking about, because a lot of people feel like nobody else has been through what they've been through. You know what I mean? And and if you've been through all these things and you can say, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. I've been through that before. But guess what? Jesus Christ saved my life. There you go. That's the common. You know? Yep, absolutely. Sure. No matter where you are. That's all. I love Rick Warren. And he says. He says that there's only plan A. You walk away from God and it doesn't you don't have to use drugs. Like you said earlier, Jeremy, that 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 we all sin. We all walk away. You know, we all have our problems. Celebrate recovery. You know, the guys talk about porn. Porn is an amazing is, is, is an unbelievable uh, thing that's going on on this planet because these kids are I'm seeing a porno mag, a porno mag. In a, in a, like tucked away in a, in a uh, you know, tucked away in a, in a cabinet, you know, these kids are pushing, boom, going right on their phones and finding it like nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I couldn't imagine being, ex- being, uh, being um, exposed to that as a young age. And what happens is it, it, uh, it, um, it, it, it devalues your wife or it devalues you, your, 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 your spouse, because 
You're watching something where somebody's doing sinful nature and they're feeding the flesh and they're getting paid tons of money to do something that, that your wife is doing because she loves you, you know? So it ends up devaluing, devaluing your wife, you know? It ends up ruining marriages, you know? It ends up ruining things. But Celebrate Recovery, it allows us to, uh, it allows us to really talk about all the things that we, we struggle with in life. Like now, I'm not a drug. I mean, I, I, I am, like you said, you know, an addict for life. But I, like you said, man, I feel like I've been relieved, man. The obsession is not there. Now I focus on character re relapses. I focus on character type relapses, not drug relapses. Like, I don't want to escape who I am. I have to be careful of my character relapses. I got to be really careful of gossip. Gossip is something that I can get into at work. And I got to be very careful of it because it's very easy to gossip. You know, it's a it's one of the deadliest sins, you know, in my mind, you know, and, and it's one of the thorns that I have, you know, that I have to continue to work on because it's just it's just a part of life. But um, anyways, bro, I'm, I'm kind of rambling off, man. Sorry. Uh, I uh, no, you're completely good, dude. You're on target because, I mean, you're right. There's there's so much that changes internally, you know, that that you just don't even look back. And sometimes it's you don't even notice those changes. You know, it's like a tree that's growing outside in your yard, right? Like you planted it and you could watch it like every day and you're never going to see it grow. But if you took pictures along the way, right, and you start flipping through them, like you can see that it's grown. And so I would agree with you with those character relapses. You've always got to be focusing on like, what can I improve to be, uh, to better serve him? What can I do to be a better husband, a better father, a better brother to those that are in the brethren with me? You know, and I often say, that if we're not moving forwards, then we are sliding backwards. There's like no standing still in life and faith and recovery, like you name it. If we are not improving something, then we've got something else that is changing, you know, for the worse inside of us. And so, no, I don't think you were rambling at all, brother. I, I am noticing we're like at the hour mark, though, for sure. And yeah. uh, I, I do want to give you another chance to to run down, you know, where people can find you and stuff. But Jeremy, did you have anything else or any questions that we get, didn't get to or anything, brother? Uh, no, I'm good, man. I just want to say, you know, the last thing, and I'll make it short, is that that transformation um, from your life, the, the before Christ and after Christ, if it's if it's that clear, you know that you're walking right with God. Yeah. You, you know, it, yeah. it's it's that clear. You go from a drug addict, you know, hardcore drug addict to living clean and living for God and serving others, like. That's the power of God. Yeah, I look Straight at I, the power of God. I look at like uh, the Israelites. You know, they wandered in the wilderness for uh, you know three years. You know, and, and 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 to me, like me to me, living on this planet as a child for 37 years is like wandering. You know, and 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 to me, finding like being an independent man, walking with the Lord, paying your own bills, being completely uh, addictive, free, all the chains broken. That to me is the promised land on this planet. And I look at my life, like I wandered for 37 years, but like, I, I found the way in the truth. Nothing on this planet can tell me any different. And now I walk in the promised land. I'm a man that I stand on my own two feet. I have an amazing wife. Shout out to my wife, Laura Noel Davis Mansfield. She's an amazing woman. She's got four years sober. She was homeless for three years. Now she's a case manager down at Path and she helps the homeless find housing. So even God used her homelessness to give her the ability to know downtown San Diego so well. She's like one of the most powerful people at her work, you know? So God works everything out for, for our good. And that's just the bottom line though. Even though we want to, even though in my recovery, I've kind of wanted to do certain things. Not now. Now I wake up and I love exactly where God has put me. Because I would have never thought in a million years, man, that I was going to host a podcast, beautiful studio, be a soldier, man. I thought I was going to work in a warehouse for the rest of my life, you know, but that's where the humbleness started. You know, I started from ground zero, but God has now revealed to me like what he wants me to do, the path that he wants me to be on. And now I just need to show, I show up every Friday and I just, I just give it my all in the studio and I just be the hope dealer, baby. You know what I'm saying? And I just, and, and we get people on the show that they share their good news. They share their message of redemption. And, and, and it's just such a beautiful thing to be lined up with your purpose. And I love, I love what you guys are doing. I love this. I love to be able to come on a podcast and just straight talk about the Lord, you know, and by the fruits. I love it. And I thank you guys with my whole heart for bringing me on here. I know I get fired up, you know what I'm saying? But, but I appreciate it, man. And if you guys ever want to do another one or what, I'd be glad to, I'd be glad to come on. Man, if each man. one could reach one and then they do the same, then we are completing the great commission, right? If we can just each reach one person that turns around and is motivated to reach one person. I mean, that's how we get the gospel to all four corners, right? Like we're, we're not looking for a quota, you know, we're not looking to, to count, right? But that humility and that helping someone and seeing them lifted out of the darkness, man, that's storing up your treasures in heaven right there.
Yeah, I love I love that. And that's what keeps away, like you said, the the pressure is that like for like say you on your podcast or me on my podcast, if I can reach just one person, then I'm doing God's work. And that that doesn't, you know, we don't need a million followers. You know what I'm saying? We just gotta reach one person. And when we get the comments, like we'll get a comment from someone like, Hey, I'm out in Washington and I watched your podcast and this is the first weekend that I didn't get high in like five years. Like that makes that makes me so fired up, you know, like I'm like yeah. I reach one person. And that's the gift, you know, the humility and, and like the not not trying to find the Lamborghinis, not trying to find the, the mansions, but trying to be just the person that you are, you know, and stop trying to ask God for blessings. But you become the blessing because God might be using one of us to bless somebody else. You never know. You know what I mean? And and somebody might might be working through someone to bless you. So it's amazing, uh, you know, uh, the ability of having relationships and having, like I said, uh, iron sharpens iron as man sharpens man. Yeah, amen, man. And I'm going to give you uh, another opportunity to uh, let people know where they can find you. And, uh, you know, just one more quick thing is that it, it is all about being like being getting saved, you know, Christ saving us and repenting and, and putting your faith in him is all about that reconciliation with the father you know what we're all trying to find before that we're all trying even people who actually get saved revert back to this sometimes unfortunately but they're just trying to fill that that void you have in your heart an issue or or a hurt or a pain that you know you haven't um left in the hands of god you, they, people try to fill it with something else other than him and uh it's unfortunate but you know, Christ can fill that void, man. Like, again, it's it's all about having faith in Christ and walking in obedience to him and being reconciled with the Father. And you just go from there. God will take care of you and things of your flesh will start falling off. But go ahead and uh, let everybody know where um, they yeah. can reach you or, you know, your podcast one more time and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can reach me on Facebook at Monty Mansfield. I put up God, uh, good God content every day. But my it has a picture of my wife. I said, I have some other Facebooks out there that were in my addiction. So this one has me and my wife on there as uh, Salvation Army soldiers. Um, our YouTube channel is the 90 and 90 podcast. You put it right in the search engine and it comes right up. You know, we are the gateway to sobriety on the Internet. We like to say we're the number one recovery podcast on the Internet. But we're coming out on Spotify this week. But our, that's our YouTube channel. If you would like to subscribe and like and push the algorithm so we can continue to help save lives and reach just one more person at a time. My uh, Instagram is Monty slash Mansfield. And then my uh, Instagram 90 and 90 podcast. So those are where you guys can find me. And I hope everyone got something out of this. I thought this was just an amazing opportunity to be able to share the good news. And I appreciate both of you guys. Appreciate you too, man. We appreciate you coming on. It's an honor. And your story is, is definitely going to reach a lot of people. And you know, just thank you again, bro. And Brian, do you want to pray us out of here? You got it, brother. Dear Heavenly right. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to carry this message out like we were given the Great Commission to do. If each one could reach one and then they do the same, then I think we are doing just that. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful to always continue adding brothers to the brethren, and I just pray that we can continue to do that. In the Lord Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen. man. Cool. And before we take off, I just want to let the audience know that you can reach Brian and I at uh, I actually just made a email, Brian, so I wanted to throw that out to you. It's uh, buytheirfruits02 at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us and you know try to get on the show or have a testimony you want to share. And then you can also reach us at followeroftheway85 at gmail.com as well. Amen. Monty, it's been a pleasure. Jeremy, I love it. I love you. Love you both. And uh, right. we'll definitely have to do this again, man. But God yeah. bless you both. And uh, yeah. uh, go forth. Yeah, God bless right. you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Right. God bless, man. Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.